0: Welcome to this episode of the St. Rhea's Family Medicine Podcast. This is Mark Colley. Today's podcast is the second part of our discussion of diabetic medications. This episode will focus more on the injectable diabetic medications. Joining me again to discuss this is our clinical pharmacist, Dr. Lisa Doe. Welcome back, Lisa. It's nice to be back. All right. Well, let's jump right into it. So before we get into the insulins, let's talk about the GLP-1 agonist. So can you talk about their mechanism of action and what we can expect as far as an A1C reduction in these.
1: Yeah. GLP-1s provide exogenous GLP-1, so they do have some of the benefits of the DPP-4s of the increased insulin secretion, but they all have the added benefit of slowing uh, gastric emptying and also the increased feeling of fullness. Mm -hmm. And the expected A1C reduction is about 1%.
0: Okay. Now, something that's relatively new, although it's been out there for a while now, is they've now created several longer-acting preparations of uh, the GLP-1s, such as Bidurion. Is there a benefit to doing the long-term versus the short-term?
1: Yes. The long-term GLP-1s, like Bidurion, Trulicity, that are weekly, they have less gastroparesis effect than compared Uh to the short-acting. And uh, long-acting, when you think about it, they're being more suitable for patients with high-fasting blood glucoses, uh, while short-acting is more affected on postprandial glucose.
0: Okay, and one of the things that I'm trying to remember, the number off the top of my head, is these are not necessarily immediately acting medicines, that it does take some time for their effect to occur. Is it, I want to say it's about six weeks to start seeing the, the benefit of these?
1: Um, I, I don't think it's six weeks. I think it's like two weeks. Okay. One or two.
0: Okay. Um, so is there cardiovascular improvements with the GLP ones?
1: So, uh, Victoza has the most evidence around the CV benefits, but also Ozempic also mm-hmm. has CV benefits as well. They improved three point MACE, which is uh, reduce CV mortality, non-fatal MI, and non-fatal stroke, and also improved macro macroalbuminuria. Mm-hmm.
0: And a Zempic is not one that I use frequently. Is that one of the long-acting yes, preparations? Yes, it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. What are the contraindications to using this uh, class of medicines?
1: If the patient has gastroparesis, um, I would not use these in those mm-hmm. patients, or if they had gastric surgery. Also, uh, if the patient has History of thyroid cancer or has active thyroid cancer, but you can use uh, bidurion, but the other ones you cannot use them. And also uh, renal function, so if their EGFR is less than 30 for bidurion mm-hmm. or bieta, then they cannot be used as well.
0: I want to follow up uh, that so you said gastric surgery, so would you consider gastric bypass surgery that they should not be on? uh this class of medicines
1: yes i would consider that okay yeah.
0: i'm just thinking of that because i have to change a medicine on someone now mm-hmm. um so we'll, we'll move into the uh the insulins and um i want to talk about that there's several new basal insulins uh that are out there there's basal which is glargine, um the traceba and i don't even know if i say it correctly the Toujeo. um can you talk a little bit about these? Is there any benefit to using these over like Levemir or Lantus?
1: Yes. So BasalGlar is a biosimilar to Lantus. So it is, uh, cheaper. It costs about 15% less. So mm-hmm. that's the benefit with that one. 2 uh, comes in U300. So it's three times more concentrated than Lantus. Patients are able to inject lower volumes, mm-hmm. um, per dose. So they can get more absorption due to those lower volumes. And Traceba is that super long acting basal insulin. They can last up to 42 hours. They have less hypoglycemia and nocturnal hypoglycemia compared to Lantus and have uh, greater predictability or it's the insulin with the less vari- patient variability.
0: So when should we consider adding basal insulin to a patient's diabetic regimen?
1: So if their A1C is greater than 10% or if they're on two oral diabetic medications and they're still not, their A1C is still not controlled. And if you check their fasting blood glucose and it's greater than 130, Mm -hmm. that's when I would consider adding a basal insulin.
0: Sure. Um, And I think that there's several different approaches to starting basal insulin the way that I had been taught was that You start at 10 units and then have them check their sugar every day. And for, if they have three straight days where their sugars or their fasting sugars are over 150, you increase the dose by two. And the patient essentially does this at home. Um, What is your general approach as far as the dosing that you'll start someone on with a basal insulin?
1: We usually start the patient on 10 units. If the patient is thin, I would consider starting 0.1 units per kg per day. Mm -hmm. And um, in regards to titration, I usually uh, increase or decrease the dose by 10%, um, depending on their fasting glucose.
0: Okay. Um, So now I'd like to to move a little bit into the shorter-acting insulins, and I think it's important to delineate... Uh, rapid-acting insulin versus short-acting insulin. So can you talk about uh, which uh, insulin preparations fall into the rapid versus short-acting and any uh, considerations uh, for those classes?
1: So the rapid-acting insulins are Humalog, Novolog, and Apidra. while the short-acting insulins are the regular mm-hmm. insulins. Uh, since the regular insulins have a longer duration of action than the rapid. They have more risk of hypoglycemia than the rapid, but the benefits of the short-acting are they are inexpensive mm-hmm. compared to the rapid.
0: Yeah, And how long uh, prior to a meal should patients give each of those uh, insulins, or how long can they wait before they eat?
1: For the rapid-acting, they can be taken immediately before they start eating, and for the short-acting, you to tell the patient to take it thirty minutes prior.
0: Okay. Um so in your opinion, when would you start somebody on a rapid acting or short acting insulin?
1: So if the patient's glucose is, postprandial glucose is more than 180 that's when i would start it we usually tell the patient to check their postprandial glucose after each meal in the beginning to see which postprandial glucoses are more than 180 Mm -hmm. and then add the bolus insulin
0: and i don't think this is necessarily coming from ada guidelines but the way that i typically will see a rapid acting insulin added to someone's regimen is it started with a sliding scale that they do with each meal and from that uh based on how many units they're giving then they get a set dose how do you typically start a patient as far as dosing on the rapid acting insulins
1: we usually start patients on four units with those meals that are more than the postprandial glucose is more than 180 and titrate that dose by 10% as well. We, you could consider decreasing the basal insulin by 20% when you're initiating that, uh, bait bolus insulin. Mm-hmm. Um, and the goal is to get 50% basal dose and 50% bolus.
0: Yeah. And I know that's kind of a struggle that I've always had in kind of, uh, adjusting somebody on a basal bolus regimen is trying to get that correct balance because it always seems like the the basal insulin is always uh, significantly higher than the uh the uh bolus insulin is um so if you do have a patient who's on a basal bolus regimen let's say they're on 20 of basaglar and they're taking the four units um uh, with each meal of the uh say or not Le- America, um, uh, aspart and they come in and their A1C is 10. How will you typically adjust their regimen?
1: I would have the patient check their blood sugars and mm-hmm. record it on the diary. And depending um, which, if the fasting blood glucose is greater than 130, then I would adjust that uh, basal insulin. Mm-hmm. Um, or if their uh, fasting or sorry, postprandial glucose is more than 180, depending which meal, then I would increase that particular meal dose. Okay.
0: How much do you typically increase the uh, bolus insulin each time? It's, so, let's say they're with dinner. Every time their their two hour perennial is about two thirty. What would be your rule for trying to adjust the insulin there?
1: You could titrate it by one to two units or ten percent of mm-hmm. that dose as okay. well. Okay. All
0: right. Great. Anything else that you want to add for the uh, short acting or rapid acting insulins?
1: I just want to say that it's very important that every patient is individual and you modify that regimen to the patient. So knowing if that they're compliant, taking the insulin or if they're eating their meals at the fixed times before you adjust.
0: Okay, great. And then the um, the last thing that I wanted to touch on is the, uh, the pre-mixed insulins or the NPH. It's something that I don't see a lot of anymore, but it's still out there. The uh, the eighty twenty is normally uh, what I see, sometimes uh, the 70-30. But what role do you see for these insulins uh, in the management of diabetes?
1: So the benefits of these insulins are that they are inexpensive, and they're useful for patients who don't want to take... More than two injections per day, and have consistent meals and food intake, and who have both uh, elevated fasting blood sugar and postprandial mm-hmm. glucose, but they do have high risk of hypoglycemia and overlap. Mm-hmm. So,
0: how do you typically dose the the premixed insulins?
1: So, if the uh, pre dinner, uh, I would if you start the pre dinner dose when you're starting the insulin i would titrate based on the fasting glucose Mm -hmm. and um usually starting the dose six to ten units Mm -hmm. and if you're starting the um before the breakfast if you're that's when you're starting the dose then i would titrate based on the pre-dinner glucose
0: okay so you're kind of looking the meal ahead in order to dose Mm -hmm. it not necessarily the meal right in front of them yes okay Mm -hmm. Do you still use kind of that 10% rule in order to adjust the dose if someone's uncontrolled?
1: Yes, I usually use the 10% rule. Okay. Well, is
0: there any other thoughts that you had on either the pre-mixed insulins or any of the other topics that we covered here? No. Okay, great. <laughs> well, again, thank you uh, very much for doing this. Uh, to our audience, if you do have any topics or people you want us to talk to for a podcast, please let us know. Thank you. <gasps>